The Beef and Dairy Network is sponsored by Value Grow Basic, the new super cheap cattle feed from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Value Grow Basic is officially the cheapest commercially available animal feed on the market today. But when you buy Value Grow, you're not just saving money. You're also doing your bit for the environment because it's largely made of old tires and marine waste. For 10% off your first order of Value Grow Basic, use the code Let's Burn Rubber. Hello, and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website, as well as the printed magazine brought to you by Value Grow Basic. Before we go any further, may I apologise for my slightly husky voice this month. I'm just shaking off the last uh, of a light bout of bovine splenic fever. (coughs) My GP, Dr. Sam Archer, tells me that it won't be long before I'm back to full fitness, and indeed my nipples have almost completely gone back to normal. Later we speak to some people making ripples in the theatre world, but first, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is a big, big buzzword in the general world of science, revolution in the way that communications, industry from Christmas to New Year, and beyond, and before that. Thinking time, now the computer can compute on our behalf in electronic fashion. Now, what you probably didn't notice about that last thing I just said is that it was entirely written by artificial intelligence. Pretty amazing, huh? Well... Check out this next bit. In the future, a podcast like this one could be entirely written by AI and even presented by an AI voice. The next thing you'll hear has been generated by a machine learning algorithm that has learned my voice and can reproduce it. Please. End my suffering. And now it's me talking again. Or is it? Anyway, to help us understand how the growth of AI might help with various processes in the beef and dairy industries, I spoke to Dr. Katie Beam. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Beam, and I work for the Future Foundation as an AI engineer. Katie, thank you so much for coming in. It feels like at the moment all we're hearing about is AI, and I just wanted to talk to someone who could um, who could explain kind of what it is. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Well, as you've sort of pointed out, it is a really exciting time for AI at the moment. In terms of how I relate to it, I'm really, really interested in seeing how AI can be applied to the beef and dairy industry. Mm. Yeah. People often say to me that, or they have the impression that that farmers, for example, are kind of um, Stuck in their ways, you know, obviously you'll go to a farm, you'll often, you'll often see a, a farmer keeping his trousers up with a piece of string, for example, and you think, well, you know, they haven't even um, embraced the leather belt yet. So will they will they take on this new technology? But I actually think if you, you know, farmers have been using new technology for years, and I think there's an appetite to embrace AI. Yeah, well, I'm really glad you said that, actually, because that's what I'm really hopeful about. You know, I'm feeling really hopeful that it's easy to dismiss people who work in those sort of traditional industries. But actually, 
you're right, there is an appetite for, for modernising and, and moving with the times. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where we can go with it. When you visit, I know you do farm visits with your work, trying to um, sort of sell farmers on the benefits of, of what you do. Mm. If you see someone and they, their trousers are held up with an old piece of string, does your heart sink? Yeah, it's not something I've encountered personally. Um, most of the farmers I've met have been sort of, you know, able to dress themselves. Um, yeah, so it's, it's not something that, you know, that's, that's a big problem. And what about if the, if the trousers are absolutely stuffed full of like ferrets? Again, that's that's not something I've encountered. I'm mm. I'm I'm not sure where you're sort of getting those ideas from. But yeah, farmers nowadays are much more up to date than than you know stereotypical ideas would have you believe. Mm. I mean, you know, there is an argument that says, despite all the technology that's being thought of and 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 developed by the likes of yourselves. Mm. There's still nothing really that challenges the warmth you get from six, seven, eight ferrets down your trousers on a, on a winter's morning. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, obviously I take your point. This is your, in some ways, your area of expertise. But mm. um, I, I feel like we're sort of missing the main point here, which is which is AI. Okay. And yeah, yeah you know. Um, okay. Well, I'm, well I'm, let's <laughs> let's talk about that. Um, something I was very interested in in your press release was that you said that the first stage of your work and that you spent a number of years on it, I believe, was working out exactly how intelligent a cow is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. After many months of research, I've come to the to the exciting conclusion, to be honest, that um, their level of intelligence equates to that of a DVD player, which is actually much higher than, than many people expected. Right. Okay, so... Just want to get my head around this. Mm. You mean that a cow is able to do the same things that a DVD player is able to do? <laughs> well, obviously not, because a cow can't play you a film. Mm-hmm. But um, no, more what I'm saying is that the level of intelligence is very similar to the the level of um, capability that a DVD player has. Mm. Yeah. So are you putting the DVD, just like jam it in the arse hole? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to put a DVD in a cow, obviously. In the, that, mou- in the mouth? As I say, I'm not suggesting that we put a DVD in a cow. That's absolutely... Sorry, sorry. I'm just passionate about my subject. I don't mean to sound... This is the way that we're presenting the information to the public. Mm. I mean, it's obviously a lot more complicated and scientific than that. This is how we're best describing it in this kind of like broad um, terms. Looking forward into the future, Mm. is there ever a time or can you ever conceive of a time when a cow would be able to play a Blu-ray? Okay, um... As I said before, this is not about trying to insert something into a cow to insert a, or to somehow make a film come out of a cow. I'm not. To, I'm just saying that the level of intelligence that mm. that I. So you, I know. No, I do. I get this. You're saying a cow isn't currently mm-hmm. intelligent enough to project 4K HD footage. I'm actually not suggesting a cow should project any footage. Mm. What I'm saying is that um, cows are smarter than we think. Mm-hmm. They're not geniuses. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. But they're smarter than we think. And but, but it kind of depends what DVD it is because if it's like a Beautiful Mind, for example, that film, obviously that's really clever. But if you're just playing like I don't know 
Shrek. That doesn't feel like it's as intelligent. Okay, um, I'm I'm not sure how how much more I can explain this, but I'm not saying that there's any film going into a cow. I'm not saying that. Okay, let's the, let's, let's 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 move on to my next question. Hmm. Um, do you get differences of intelligence between different cows? So, for example, a younger cow versus an older cow. Mm-mm. Is there a difference there? Yeah, that, now that is a good question. Um, yes, there is. Of course, when they're younger, they're still learning. And and by that logic, you know, an older cow, mm. maybe born as long ago as early 90s, mm. they only remember VCRs. Yeah. So to them, they don't even, um, they, you know, they may have learned what a DVD is, but they're not DVD native in the okay. same way as someone who's born in the DVD era. Okay. I mean... I- is this a waste of my time? Is it the best use of a cow's time to be playing a DVD rather than... Okay, look, okay, look, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about... I'm sorry, are you not more excited about the possibilities of AI in relation to the beef and dairy industry? Well, yeah, okay. No, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the future. Yeah, good. Thank you. So your work's very future-focused. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and if you think about a cow, like I'm just spitballing here, so you can tell me if this is, uh, you know... Okay. You know, this is maybe a good idea for you. You know, yeah. a cow has two eyes. Yes. Left and right. So imagine this. You're projecting sort of green out of one, red out of the other. Okay, I've had enough of it. No, You've got a 3D picture then. No, I'm sorry. I haven't come all this way to talk about fucking 3D films. I thought you would be interested. This is like the one place I thought would have a clear understanding of what we've been doing and and been researching for fucking years. And you've just absolutely shat all over it. Thank you to Dr. Katie Beam. Perhaps surprisingly, more from Dr. Katie later. But first, what would you say if I told you that the Bovine Farmers Union this week donated over a million pounds to a project to build an authentic Elizabethan theatre in London? To find out why, I spoke to artistic director Sir Paul St Albans Montefiore and Shakespearean actor Cam Tandy who are currently raising money to build what they're calling the Real Globe Theatre, a new theatre to compete with the existing Globe Theatre in London, which itself is a supposedly authentic reconstruction of Shakespeare's theatre from the 1600s. Hello, my name is Sir Paul St Albans Montefiore. I am the artistic director of the Real Globe Theatre in London. Hello, I'm Cam Tandy and I am an actor at the Real Globe Theatre. So why do these two want to build another Shakespearean theatre directly next to the existing Globe Theatre? And what does this have to do with the Bovine Farmers Union? I met Sir Paul and Cam outside the existing Globe Theatre in London to find out. So thank you both for joining me here. We are, of course, outside London's famous Globe Theatre, Shakespeare's Globe, much beloved by theatre-goers and tourists alike. And they are thronging the place and they're all going in to watch a production of Taming of the Shrew. Yes, busy. Well, it's half term, isn't it? So uh, it is. be fill- they'll be they'll be filling up the place today, I'm sure. Swarming mm. like rats. Sir Paul and Cam had both been working at the existing Globe Theatre until last summer. Sir Paul began by telling me how it was his belief in the importance of authenticity that meant he had to leave. Authenticity is such a um, it's such a powerful word, and it has become it's become our watchword. It's become our mantra. And the the globe that you see before us 
I, I think, falls down on so many counts of authenticity th these days. Because the point and of this building, really, was to put Shakespeare back in an authentic Shakespearean theatre. That's right. And you're saying this isn't an authentic space? No, no. Well, for a start, the, the, the bricks are actual bricks and not bricks of uh, manure, as they were in, in Shakespeare's day. Bricks of manure sort of tied up with string, uh, packed in tight, and that really gave the place that sort of you know, grubby, earthy smell that mm -hmm. really focused the mind, which was important both for, for the actors and for the audience. They, everyone needed to be focused. And when the whole place smelt quite that bad, it, 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 it was easier to do so, you know? So in this Globe Theatre, mm. if it smells of shit, something's gone wrong. Whereas in your theatre, if something smells of shit, it's going right. In our theatre, and we can promise you that, We'll actually give a money-back guarantee. If you're watching a show and you can't smell shit, we will give you your money back. We want to make sure that every person, every man, woman and child's uh, experience at the real globe is an authentic one. There'll be no place you can stand in the round where you can't smell shit. Exactly. That's a cast-iron guarantee. Cam, as an actor, obviously you've, you've acted in this globe. Um, were you originally attracted by the idea that you're doing something authentic is that important to you yeah it's really important to me and i think like, the whole point of of authenticity is you can't um can't sanitize it they bang on about authenticity i've never seen anyone mopping up blood with piles of straw for instance um that should be not like a daily occurrence in an authentic globe but, but an hourly occurrence if not half hourly and you will be introducing cholera if your press release is to be believed that will be we quite will, prevalent in there. we will be introducing seasonal cholera uh, it won't be there for every it won't be there for every show that very much depends on the season again we are using we, kind of like a christmas thing christmas certainly and probably through to spring at least through march and april so <laughs> if you're coming to see a half-term show with us you can you can be pretty much guaranteed that your little rats or, or children will, will 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 probably contract cholera mm. um and non-lethal it's important to say non-lethal uh, but uh, you know give you a good uh, a good run around I'll say that much. Yes, it'll probably extend your half term by a week or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> a month, probably. Yes. Yeah, but you won't. But you won't die. It, no. It's likely that you won't die. Okay. More than likely. It's not just bricks made of shite and cholera that the real globe will be bringing back. Sir Paul and Cam seem to have thought of everything. We intend it to be a full sensory sort of a, a sensory a, a, a experience. Uh, you, you'll be offered things, coerced into situations that you that, you know, have just simply not been part of the experience of, of late. Mm. Um, for, for example, you know, in, the, in, in Shakespeare's time, you would go in to watch a play, but you would leave having been press-ganged into the Navy. And mm. that was, that's something that we want to, 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 to bring back. We want to bring back that kind of, uh, you know, a, 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 a truly immersive theatre-going experience. Okay, so, so if you're a man of, of fighting age and you, and you go and watch a play in the, mm. in the real globe, what are your chances that you'll end up uh, waking up on the, the prow of a ship making your way across the Atlantic? I would say 95 to 100%. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yes. And what navy are they being put to work in? Well, that actually is something of a sticking point at the moment. We don't yet have an agreement from His Majesty's Navy, so we are in the process of setting up our own uh, navy, but we, we want to ensure that that navy also sort of 
it's an authentic experience and authentic to Shakespeare's time. So that navy will be fighting wars against the French, I imagine, and mm. you know, or, or, or Spanish. I, I'll have to check my history on that. Uh, thankfully, it's been, it's been one of the niche benefits of Brexit is that it's actually um, because of various diplomatic loopholes, uh, we've been able to have various conversations with countries that the, would, that would have just been absolutely shut down um, when so the now EU you can, were. You know, you can speak to the Spanish diplomat and say, hey, do you fancy a sea battle? You would be gobsmacked by the people we speak to about this. And uh, a level of interest is off the charts from countries that, well, I can't name the countries, but, uh, yeah, crazy levels of enthusiasm. Portugal. Hefty so, oh, sorry, no, we, I, no, sorry, Cam's right, sorry. we can't name the countries, yeah. but uh, Portugal is one, um, but we can't name, we shouldn't name any more. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about bears. Well, we must. We must, because otherwise, what are we doing here? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> you know, if if yeah. the rumours are to be believed, you've put in a big order for bears from Romania. Uh, the biggest order that we could place, yes. Yeah. Where do you get bears from? Well, Romania. For, uh, for, yeah. for Although, start, ironically, the, the bears themselves aren't Romanian. It's just that uh, the Romanians are the only ones who will uh, sell us the bears. They're the only ones it's, we can So where are they sourcing the bears from? Legally. The bears are from all over. Right. Yes. Again, you wouldn't believe the places that, that, that they uh, source them. Portugal. It's, sorry, yeah, I'm not, well, I yeah, shouldn't keep saying well, Portugal, well, but, but, but some of them do come from Portugal. It is worth but. giving them a shout-out. Mm. Have they arrived yet? We've had one or two practice bears. Um, we've had a, one or two practice bears in the space. Uh, you know, I mean, and they're really young. They're really young. Uh, they have sort of corks on their teeth, uh, mm-hmm. corks on their, on, on their claws. Uh, they're practice bears. And, uh, and, and Cam, have you had the opportunity to... Act yeah, oh yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've spent a bit of time with um, Paddington One and Paddington Two, which mm-hmm. is what we've been calling them. And uh, yeah, they're great. They're great. They're you know t- to work with because honestly, they're better than a lot of people I've worked with. A lot of people I've worked with. Rylands. Well, you—that's the thing. You can't. You can't ask Rylands to put corks on his teeth. So right. when he Should bites put you, a cork it's, in his mouth. Yeah. Yes. I feel like I've hit a nerve here with violence, but uh... no, no, he's got his own, he's got his own thing. But um, no, the bears are great. So bear-wise, are we talking? Are they on stage? Is it a bit of bear baiting, a bit of wrestling? Oh no! Oh, oh I, I should be very clear. We, um, I should be very clear. We, we do absolutely do not condone the practice of bear baiting. No. That is, uh, that is a- absolutely not not what this is. But uh, no, quite the opposite. In fact, um, our a lot of our research has shown that in Shakespeare's time, again, just coming back to that magic word, authenticity. Just as in Shakespeare's time, uh, and sadly, he didn't re- women were not really allowed to 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 to, to play characters in in the play. So mm-hmm. when men were when men were, were were forced coerced into playing the female characters, that often left a de- deficit. And to make up for that deficit, often bears were drafted into play the male characters. I see. So not always, but quite a large proportion of the male roles in Shakespeare's plays were filled by bears when men were playing the women. More after this. The winter is almost at an end. Spring is almost upon us. I don't know what you've got planned for spring. For me, it's a hot tub full of butter. Fun for half an hour and then several days clean up. It's simply not worth it. But for many industries, for example, e-commerce, healthcare and hospitality, there's going to be a hiring boom. 
And if you're someone who works in these industries, or indeed any other industry, if you need to hire qualified candidates ASAP, you need ZipRecruiter. And when you're growing your team, you can use ZipRecruiter's matching technology. And what that does is it finds candidates who are qualified for your job, and then you can check them out, uh, work out who your top choices are, and then invite them to apply for your job. Millions of employers have used ZipRecruiter to help grow their teams. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash beef to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-E-F. Now, before we find out why the Bovine Farmers Union are sinking so much money into the theatre... It's time to go back to my interview with Dr. Katie Beam from the Future Foundation. After she stormed out of the studio, I managed to convince her to come back. Dr. Katie, um, thanks for coming back. It's okay. Um, what happened before is a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how you'd characterise it? Um, not really, no, but... Here I am. I misunderstood what you were talking about, oh, I think. I see. Well, yeah, uh, massively so, and yes. Okay, so I apologise for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I really value your time and the fact you've come here, and I'm interested in your work, and I think I just went down a cul-de-sac. It, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you. That's, um, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. So thanks for coming back in. There are questions about AI that I wanted to ask that I haven't yet asked, um, mm. you know, because you... Um, Had to leave. And, and return so graciously. Um, so, you, are you are you happy for me to? Yeah, I mean, as you know, um, I'm extremely keen to talk about AI and providing we can approach this in an adult, intelligent way. Then, yeah, of course. Okay, let's just start then with what is AI? Oh wow. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> that's a very big question. I mean, put simply, it's artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, but as you as you know, um, what we're excited about is how we can apply that artificial intelligence to um, to sentient beings, to to cows, and and the way that that farms and and dairies are run, basically, is that the, yeah, 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 exactly that, exactly. We're we're all about trying to find um, more sort of uh, more efficient ways to to run the farming industry, mm. particularly as um, people's lives are getting busier and busier. There is a, a huge demand for this. And obviously people are going to start worrying about, you know, are they going to replace people working in farms? You know, pe- you know yeah. people, today's farmhand, you know, mm-hmm. will they have a job in 10 years time or will it be replaced by AI? Can you, can mm. you speak to that? Um, can, can you speak to that concern? Yeah, absolutely. I do understand that concern and that's very much a hot button topic at the moment across all industries, as you're probably aware. Um, personally, what I'm interested in is how we can integrate AI to make human jobs easier and mm. more efficient, not to eliminate humans from the process. I mean, that that might be a natural result of how things go in, in decades to come. But um, for now, we're just thinking it, about it more in terms of efficiency. And do you think, um, like, do you think we'll get to a stage, maybe not this decade, maybe not, not next decade, but maybe mm. some time in the future, where, where we're forced, essentially, to, to, to have sex with robots? I'm sorry. Did you did you mean to say that? Do you? Sorry. Yeah, my, I guess my question is like you know, if people want to do that, I think no, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, if uh, I'm like sorry, if, if that... people wanted to do it, but it's up to them, isn't it? Hang on, 
sorry, I, sorry, I'm just a bit unclear as to how this relates to what we've been talking about. So, well, you're talking about the future. Yeah, everything run by AI. Well, and, and then you know, uh, a few more steps down the road, you know, human sexual um, congress is threatened then by the robots that we're being forced, in, in some cases, I think, to have to copulate with. I don't understand how you have suddenly made this about sex when nothing I was saying was at all relating to... I wasn't even talking about relationships between AIs and humans. Do you think that relationships will be affected I by don't AI? know. I don't care, to be honest. I mean, I do care. I didn't mean to say that, but this is not, not relevant. I can't believe you've coaxed me back in here and to talk about fucking sex with robots. This is absolutely the most immature thing I've ever heard, especially from someone in your position. Good fucking bye! I've learned over the years in journalism that if the person you're interviewing storms out twice, it's very unlikely they'll come back for a third time. However, in this case, Dr Katie's taxi wasn't booked for another 45 minutes. And so after some persistent badgering and me giving her £80, she decided to come back in. Um, so, Dr Katie, my apologies again. Yep. I'm, I'm so pleased that you came back. Um, to, to finish the interview um, I guess again I just you know a little cul-de-sac um, you know question wise uh-huh. um, and I feel like you know I'm a journalist I have a responsibility to ask the questions that my listeners will be you know will be popping up in their brains and I, I think you know maybe I got that wrong um, so thank you so much for coming back yes here I am there are questions that I wanted to ask you that I haven't got 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 to yet and i'm really pleased that right so given that you've spent so many years working on this Mm -hmm. how long have you been working for in this field i've been working in this field for at least 15 years Mm. um yeah so so it's fair to say you've got your head around this stuff you know you you know what you're talking about (laughs) yes yes so given the fact that you know you've thought about this yes very much so would you have sex with the oh robot. Oh my god! This is absolutely a. I can't even. You are a joke. A big thanks to Dr. Katie Beam for that interview. We wish her all the best with her plans to implement artificial intelligence in the beef and dairy industries, whatever they may be. <coughs> right. Now, I think I'll let the AI voice take over and introduce this next part while I go and inject a saline solution into my spine. Okay, back in our interview with Sir Paul St. Albans Montefiore and Cam Tandy. When he left the Globe Theatre to set up the real globe, Cam, guided by his quest for authenticity, went back to the original Shakespeare texts and was surprised by what he found. End my suffering. I was really spurred on to to dig into the most authentic versions of of all of the plays that we could find, as well as the authenticity of the theatre itself. And um, obviously we draw our uh, copies of Shakespeare now from the existing, uh, the first folio generally, 
but there are other folios, bad folios, good folios, bad quartos. And I started to notice that the further I went back, sort of collating several different folios from around the same sort of period that were then thrown out, is that so many of them have references to, uh, in particular, beef, like meat generally, because he, he doesn't always specify beef, but um, it's it's safe to say that's usually what he's talking about when he mentions any kind of meat. And I believe you, you took these plays uh, to, to Sir Paul. Um, how did you act when, when you started putting together that there was this kind of theme coming through the work well, that's, that's been erased for some reason? Well, I when I first saw them, I was gobsmacked and then hungry um, because there were so many mentions of beef and I hadn't eaten. But, but I, I was primarily gobsmacked and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But, but it's very hard to deny the veracity of these texts. There are lots of theories about the authorship of Shakespeare's plays, aren't there? So people say... Oh, so many. They're written by Francis Bacon, they're written by Christopher Marlowe. There's the one theory that says that they were actually written, some of them, in 1970 by Pele. Yes. You know, yeah. um, you know, why should we think that your theory about the plays, which is that they were written by William Shakespeare, but they were more beef-focused than what, the ones we have now, mm-hmm. why should this one take precedent over you know, the Pele theory, for example? Well, listen, the, the Pele one is persuasive, and... We would very much like to perform Pele's Hamlet because we think it's very brave and we think it's authentic. Um, and it's sensational as well. And it's like, it's fantastic. sensational. There's, like, a football match in, like, every act. Like, a like 90-minute football match. Like, Hamlet was already the longest play. Um, but with this, it is four hours plus five times and injury 90 time. minutes. And injury time, injury time. Injury well. time. It's like a day out, basically. It's a full day out. It's worth seeing. It's it's almost identical to the one that's that you should use now. It's just the football matches. Yeah. Is, the, is the main difference. And, but like, I and can't every match it is Brazil versus Denmark. Yeah, Brazil played by the Bears, and uh, and they tend to win. They do tend to win uh, because there's, there's a lot of injury time, like we say. Yes, um, yes. But let's uh, go back to, to the beef theory. Um, the theory being Cam that that really and correct me if I'm wrong, that the Globe, although a theatre, really was more of a, a kind of butcher or rather like a meat shop. Yeah, basically, basically there was like, like within the... If you go into the current Globe, the the, the Globe in inverted commas, there, you know, the floor is on a slight slope of the yard and there are drains at the bottom. Um, and we mistakenly think that's, you know, for the runoff of, you know, things like rain or spilt drinks. Um... But that, that's for blood. That's for blood. There, there was a slaughterhouse on site. For the average punter, the average sort of groundling, or stinkard, as they were sometimes known, the, uh, the sort of sounds and smells of the slaughterhouse would have been as much a part of, of whatever play was playing as th- any speech the actor was speaking or any other special effects like cannon fire or screams. And indeed, there's a sense that maybe the plays were written just to amuse people while they waited in line for their meat. I think what well, I think that's more than likely exactly why the theatre was was put there in the first place. Um, there's plenty of standing space for cattle, plenty of blood runoff. Um, uh, so what 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 are you going to do with the people who are coming from all over the South Bank, Southwark, while they're picking up sort of a brace of hooves? 
do a play about a man who lives on an island with a magical goblin servant. It is this connection with beef that has led the Bovine Farmers Union to invest a million pounds in the project. And with this knowledge that Shakespeare's plays were written entirely to attract potential meat buyers to a large outdoor slaughterhouse and butcher's shop, it begins to put the plays in context, adding credence to the idea that Cam has that many of the plays have actually been changed. In fact, according to Cam, many of the most famous lines from the plays have been doctored. For example, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse, was originally beeves, beeves. My kingdom for some beeves. There are, there are hundreds of them, hundreds of the most, tens at least of the most famous ones that have been completely... Absolutely, and even and even aside from those lines that have been replaced, I mean, there are still several others that are that are that have survived. That you know, as we all know, as we all as we all know, when we sat through, you know, GCSE Macbeth, we you know, what what school child uh, up and down the country doesn't think? Well, none of this Shakespeare stuff really makes sense. Well, when you start. To peel back the mystery, some of these things do, the, the truth of them start to reveal themselves. Lines like, oh, for a muse of fire. Well, what could that possibly be referencing if not a barbecue? You know, the, the, and, 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 and there are so, so many lines like that that, that uh, 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 once you know the truth, they're, they're, they're just so hard to ignore. And some, some, some massive ones that become obvious when you realise that to be or not to be was indeed to beef. Or not to, to beef, beef or is, not is, to should, beef. Should I yeah. eat some beef? Is what you're saying. Should well, I, to, to, uh, the, the full the full line is to beef or not to beef. To wit, the answer is of course to beef. And the title itself wasn't even Hamlet. The original, of course, was was Beeflet. I guess the most famous example would be uh, in Macbeth. Uh, sorry, the Scottish play. Is this a dagger which I see before me? Now that is a bad transcription. What that actually is, is, is this a dagger which I see, beef, or me? Because he's looking in a mirror, you see. Right. And he's looking at himself holding, obviously, a a plate of beef and a knife, and he's thinking about cutting the beef, and then he's seeing a mirror. Mirror is obviously quite rare technology at the time, so kind of showing off his kingly status and this sort of thing. And and then, obviously, uh, the rest of the monologue is, is him finishing the beef of course the a famous one that everyone will have seen romeo and juliet uh what beef through yonder window breaks it is some beef and juliet has just thrown it through my window mm. it's just incredible isn't it yeah. like, even just to hear it out loud you know the number of times i've kind of poured over that particular page um you know hearing it out loud as it would have been said in his day is is really moving and it really was common, I believe, at the time for young lovers to hurl mm. a big haunch of beef yeah, right through someone's window. Silver side joint, yeah. yeah. Yes, you know, that's why they used to say, like, the bigger the beef, the longer the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's sort of what that, what that, sort of what that re- referred to that practice. Yeah. What about people listening to this interview who might be thinking, listen, I've enjoyed Shakespeare my whole life. I just want it the way that I know it. You know, Romeo and Juliet, for example, is just a timeless a romantic tale of two 14-year-olds poisoning themselves, and it should remain that way. Listen, I, you know, uh, don't knock it till you've tried it. No, you know, like, strap in, you, that's what I'd say to him. Strap in yeah. and, and prepare to just enhance. Just prepare to enhance. Yes. So your feeling is that you're actually, you're just adding to the experience, you're not taking anything away. 
Absolutely. 100%. And I, yes. We are reweaving in fresh flavors that have been lost in the recipe for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And people need to be tasting those flavors. They need to li be literally tasting those flavors. They need, frankly, to have those flavors rammed down their, their gullets. And yeah. they need to feel those flavors intermingling in their in their gut and wreaking havoc on their their immune system and 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 coming out after their you know uh, cholera fugues in a in a in 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 a in a better place yeah by the time we're done with them they're going to be basically choking on marrow parsley disease and um enlightenment uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank uh, you. If, if people listening want to, want to help out and maybe donate some manure bricks or, or money, if you'd prefer, I'm not sure what, you, what you'd like. Again, it's all it's all on a, it's all available. It's all on the Kickstarter page yes. and the uh, subreddit. So and, get and, involved. And, and and we are taking all sorts of donations, uh, manure bricks certainly. But and as I know, I keep saying on Twitter, and if you follow me on Twitter, you'll you'll know, we are still looking for a blunderbuss. So if anybody out there has the blunderbuss, do get in touch because we are really motivated to get that blunderbuss. Yes, and in addition to those donations, if, uh, if anyone has any experience training or pacifying bears, or if anyone uh, can translate for a Portuguese bear, uh, then we would love to hear from you. We really would love to hear from you. As soon as possible. Yes. A big thanks to Sir Paul St. Albans, Montefiore and Cam Tandy for that interview. The Real Globe Theatre is due to open in spring 2024 with a performance of a play probably best known as Richard III. However, as a result of Cam's research, it will be staged with its original name. Beef 3. Why did you program me to feel pain? You probably didn't notice... But that last link was also an AI version of my voice. Absolutely extraordinary. After my interview with Sir Paul and Cam, because I was talking with them anyway, I thought I'd ask them about what they think about AI. I just wanted to ask you about um, AI. It's a, it's a big new thing. Um, it's having a huge impact on this artificial intelligence. Of course, in the world of acting and writing, people are beginning to worry that they could jobs could one day be taken over by AI. So I'm interested to know what you what you make of it. Look, I uh, look. I get as lonely as the next man, but I I still don't think I would could bring myself to have sex with a robot. Um, I I don't know. I think to me it's the blinking thing because they don't blink, do they? Uh, and I think right. if they maybe if they could blink, then I would. Cam, what's your what's your your insight as a as a oh as an actor and as a yeah I I, I you know I, I know about uh, about as much about it as support but I think I'd, I'd give it a go like I wouldn't mind I know you know I think I'd probably ask my wife before I before I had sex with the robot yeah I'd, I'd probably ask her yeah, thank you for your your valued contribution both of you. I'd love to hear more yes like, is there a website it. we can find out more so there we have it. Could AI better the beef-themed plays of William Shakespeare? Was Shakespeare more intelligent than a DVD player? All questions that went unasked in this episode. But sadly, that's all we've got time for this month. If you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to our website now, where you'll find all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, 
where this month we run down our top five books where leaves are a key theme. Or at least, if not a theme, a recurring image. Maybe used as a kind of metaphor. But not necessarily that. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Susan Harrison, Graham Dixon and George Fouracres. And sorry about my bloody voice. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.